Can you talk at the same level? You're I know, talk. I never do this, do I? Hello, She's I'm like, Laura. Yes, Dad. You don't talk like that, either. <laughs> 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 oh, shit, let me spill my coffee. Are you not going to ask me what I had for breakfast? What did you have for breakfast, Loz? I just had a piece of toast this morning. Just crap. Just with nothing on it? Well, Kobe started demanding eggs on the morning because he's trying to get a hench. Is he? <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Is he working oh, yeah, no, but I feel like he's, it's just dawned on him, like, <coughs> food and what you put in your body, in a good way. How old is he? Ten. We go to high school next year. Okay. Do you mean comprehensive secondary school? Yeah. We're not in fucking Saved by the Bell. Oh, so? <laughs> Do you call it high school? No, because I'm from England. I called it high school. Yeah, I called it high school. Yeah. Did you really? It's because you're posh. Fuck you guys. <laughs> no, I went, I went to a comp, man. Oh. Well, it is called high school, isn't it? Secondary school. Secondary school, yeah. Secondary, Secondary school. Grammar school. Which is a strange... Just finishing school as well. <laughs> did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I did a table manners. Secondary school is a weird way of talking about it, though, like primary school and secondary school. Like, why... It suggests that secondary school is less important. It should just be yeah. small school and big school. Oh, yeah. I keep think. It, keep it formal. Yeah. <laughs> well, Johnny's, like, super old, so he had middle school. Did it? That wasn't a thing for me. It definitely wasn't for you. Was no, not in my young age. Don't remember your years. <laughs> I know, I didn't have middle school. Just went primary to. When were you born? 92. Oh, Calvin Jesus, Harris is zero love. When were you born? 95. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> what were you? Uh, 88. Yeah. Calvin Harris has got mad love for me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, All right. Are we ready? What's up, everyone? And welcome <clears throat> to the North Egypt's podcast this week. Back on the show, <clears throat> Lauren Victoria Rutley. And I've brought everyone Christmas coffees today, aren't I? Bing. Thanks very much. Brought yep. to you by Starbucks, the new sponsor of the North Egypt's <laughs> podcast. Thanks so much, Starbucks. <laughs> At one point, me and Mike were trying to get uh, Tenzing to sponsor the podcast. Oh, really? <laughs> we showed up every uh, podcast and let some Tenzing <laughs> nicely placed and kept hmm. calling it out, but it never happened. Um, and we're also joined for the second time on the podcast, Tom's Braun. Ooh. What's your middle name, Tom? Uh, I've got two, but oh, I'd, re- I'd, I'd really prefer not to tell you. Go. Really? Yeah. Go. So I'm Thomas Jeffrey John Broughton. Jeffrey wow. John. Jeffrey. Oh, that's yeah. fancier than yours. <laughs> we share like a John that. as well. Do we? Bashko John. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, and mom. wasn't Kev John? Yeah, yeah. Oh. My mum thought I was going to be Prime Minister. So <laughs> I, I don't know at what point she gave up on that dream. Oh. But the middle names well. have stayed. I don't feel like a Jeffrey or a John, though. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't think I give off a Jeff energy. No. I don't think yeah, I've met. I, I think think Jeffrey's is, kind but... of a, a died kind of name. I don't think I've met anyone called Jeffrey in my Jeffrey died. Apart, apart from like Professor Jeff, uh, who was mm. at Harrogate, but he's like, you know, in his late, late 50s now. So it's like. Yeah. I've never Jeff. met like a young. I don't know any young kids called Jeffrey. I've never met recently a young Keith either. Yeah. But I'm a big fan of that. No. Never met a Keith I didn't like. No. I think all, all the kids' names, especially in the little championship, program, they've all got like quite exotic names, mm. I think. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Not many Thomases around either. 
Whereas in, in my yeah. year, I know my age, a gazillion toms. Mm. They're rife. Oh, just look at the adults. Yeah. Adults yeah. members here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone's a tom. Got to yeah. distinguish yeah. between toms. Just throw a stick and you'll hit a tom. <laughs> yeah. But I reckon Jeff's probably going to die out after the Jeffrey Dahmer Netflix series. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no one wants little baby Jeff anymore. <laughs> there are some names that just can't you can't use anymore. Like, like Hitler, obviously. Like Adolf Flick. <laughs> no oh, one's calling obviously. the kid Adolf yeah. anymore, are they? Yeah. But it's probably yeah. a fairly popular name, I bet. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that, that probably will die out for for probably good reasons but it's sort of the old school names where they're legit like man names ian <laughs> don't hear many ians these no, are they fixing yeah it'd be hard to think of a kid called ian yeah <laughs> it's like you said once upon a time it will have been popular just mm. like yeah keith and barry yeah little baby barry i think which, they said people like more funny. like outside the boxes names don't they these days but they're not because everyone's called, and there's nothing wrong with these names, but they are pretty. But like Ava. Yeah. Don't know any Ava's my names, but. Blake. To be fair, I do only know one Blake, and it's a very pretty name. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't know any Blake, so I'm joking. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think like when I was born, I think Lauren was a popular name, but I don't, you don't really hear of any Laurens either, do you? Well, there won't be any coming from this academy now that they've all met you, will they? Mm, uh, yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer, Lozatron. <laughs> what Lauren Savage. does is like the new trials women come in so the women's changing room, she puts them up against the wall and this is my academy. Stay away from <laughs> There are many like it, but this one is mine. Yeah. Speaking of changing rooms, I've just been in the men's changing room. Yeah. What the hell? Why is it so big? Have you been in ours? A lot more men. Well, I hope not. Your so the men's change room. Huge. The men's changing rooms is bigger. Yeah. Um, but it's certainly not as nice. Mm. Well, uh, we don't, no, have, you don't have the tropical rainforest, do you? Uh, in yeah, yours? the hydroponic wall. Yeah. We don't have neon lights, and actually, we've got all of the uh, cleaning yep. stuff. I we only have quite one like toilet. You've, You've got, got a massive two. shower. I don't know why. I don't know why you need a big shower. Well, Lauren's a star fishing out in the shower. Yeah. It's Celine Dion. Like, you want a freestanding bath? Yeah. <laughs> but also, the, we need the additional room because the gets a bit grim. I can see why you spend so much time in there, though. Chinwag. Yeah, just have a room. Do you not have a chat? Yeah. We've got it a gets bit, a bit cramped. Did you see the bidet we've got in there as well? <laughs> freestanding bath. Well, uh, Coach T a couple of weeks ago told me that the mirror, which is behind the cameras, that was a free a one way mirror. And I, I, did you believe it? <laughs> I did. <laughs> Look at that face. What's not to believe? Integrity. It's one of my values. Spread so many rumours. <laughs> you're walking stuff. past like. Hi, how's it going? Um, so uh, yeah, but then we did get shown the new neon light, which was glorious. Yeah, we mm. me, uh, me and Mike were saying we do need to do something in the men's changing room to to give it a bit of. We don't deserve it. Yeah, just keep it keep it industrial. Mm. We're gonna maybe put some like graffiti. On yeah, that. yeah. That'd look quite cool. Well, we'll get some cool graffiti to your. Just, just, just some random <laughs> yobos. You can also look out. <laughs> <laughs> some yutes. Yeah. <laughs> some of get some of Guraj's mates down. Yeah, I bet he, I bet he's got some people in there to spray. <clears throat> funny, 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 funny. All right, so Tom is actually here because Coach Kev's injured and uh, 
didn't get any sleep. So Tom stepped in last minute. Thanks, Tom. Yeah. And Tom's, I gave him 30 minutes notice <laughs> and he came up with the best topics I've ever heard. I give Lauren a week's notice and she just steals my topic. <laughs> so, I, was, I was asking the kids this morning when I was making breakfast, I was like, what do you think I should talk about this morning? This is quite funny from Kobe. Kobe goes... I think you should talk about tripod sweeps because it's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Well, there's a theme. Pod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, like and a it. tripod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. good thinking. Yeah. It's got I a bright future. Little, yeah. <laughs> Which reminds like, me, we do need helpful. a new tripod, actually. This we one. do this, need a new This is the tripod. secondary one. The primary one broke, so. They're, They're expensive, though. Oh. Yeah. Proper ones. I won't bore you with tales of <laughs> tripod <laughs> expense, though. <laughs> Tune into the North Leeds podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's a pretty good looking, pretty good looking tripod. It's the best one I've seen all day, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right, um, mm. Lauren, you brought a book in today. Mm. The one you've been, well, not the one you've been having on. I feel so. like I'm like sponsored by this person because it's all I got. Mm. This is not the one I read. This is the second one I've read. You got like some quotes you want to share? No. So I was my I was going to ask you guys. Because I've been reading this about Dare to Lead. So she says, I'll tell you what she defines as a leader. So she says, I define a leader as anyone who takes responsibility for finding the potential in people and processes and who has the courage to develop that potential. So I was going to ask you what you would class as a leader. And in terms of us being leaders, like in coaches, what do you think is important as like for this generation, like in your role of being a leader. Mm. That's what I was going to ask you. Well, I, I'm a big subscriber to Jocko Willink and stuff, and he talks a lot about leadership. And he has a, a saying of like um, about, you know, leadership at all levels and leading up the chain of command, which is very um, impactful to me because I used to think, oh, leadership is just, you know, someone gets put in a power position, mm -hmm. they're the leader, mm. they're the one that's going to make decisions and take responsibility and all those kind of things. And then I thought about how the way he puts it about, if you're a, maybe you're not in that leadership position, you're, you're one of the team, and but you still have a leadership responsibility to make sure that, that kind of that person, like mm. the leader is doing a good job in a way. Mm. And you can do that through all the ways that he talks about, through like extreme ownership and stuff like that. But I think it's one of those values that you need to be reminded of whereas there's some values like for me like integrity or something it's almost just um like natural i don't need to think about it mm. but i think especially for the kids it's good to keep reminding them that hey look everyone can be a leader it doesn't matter if say you're a gray and white belt with four red stripes something like that and you're at the top of the line or if you're the day you know day five kids like if you have a responsibility in a way to make sure like we're all doing the things we know we should do. So it's easy for the kids. Like, Tom, we always talk about how class is set up for the kids in a way where it's just easy for them to do these values. So like they line up before class against the back wall like you guys. Yeah. But they always like, they always muddle themselves into some kind of like mash where they all want to be in like one certain spot. And then they're like, no, it doesn't matter how busy the yeah, class it doesn't matter how busy, they're, like, they're always around the corners. Like there's like five of you guys just all go against the back wall. Uh -huh. And then there's some kid that goes like, move down, move down. And there's some other kid at the, end of the other end of the line going, oh shit, what's going on? <laughs> um, and then every now and again, you'll get a kid that's like, oh yeah, like they'll just, you know, and you know who I think is really good at it? It's actually Sam Dawson. Because mm -hmm. um, he doesn't really shout, like Gabe will shout at yeah. the kids. Of like, yeah. no, he wants to be loud and out there. 
Sam kind of just like gets on with it and just like, you go down. Yeah. And I, I was doing some of that with the kids comp team one time. I was just like, right, get into a, I, I gave them some tasks, but I didn't really assign anyone a leadership uh, role. And it's like they have to get into groups and like organize themselves into something. And I just wanted to see who would like emerge as the little leaders in the group. And Sam did kind of emerge as like the person. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I feel like people would listen to Sam as well. Yeah. I, I think it's maybe interesting how that might be related to your own personal, because it's jiu-jitsu. I wonder if it's related to your ability on the mat, like, like if that actually mattered. Like, mm -hmm. I, is leadership just a, a, a skill you can have outside of um, your abilities on the mat? Or do you also have to be like, do people have to respect you enough through jiu-jitsu then to take on that leadership? Because I guess it goes mm -hmm. hand in hand. Yeah. It's hard to be a leader if you don't really have respect. Yeah. I think for me, though, like, in terms of, like, leading and being a coach for the kids, I know it's a jiu-jitsu academy, but that kind of comes secondary to me mm -hmm. in terms of, for me, it's more important about, like, them as people, you know, and, and helping them grow as people rather mm. than the juice. Well, obviously mm. we're here to help, but you know, for me, like I'm not the world's most knowledgeable jujitsu person. But I feel like I do my role well through helping them as people and mm. being there for them. Because she said, you, I think she said, <laughs> yeah, what did she say? You are... Who we are is how we lead. Would yeah, agree with that? I hear you. Um, and I guess, I guess that's interesting because you can have different leaders for different things. Yeah. Um, so you, you talked about respect. Does respect, for example, in our academy, does respect only come about because of your technical capability? Mm. You could be extremely good at jujitsu, but if you're not a nice person, can you still be a leader? And conversely, you could be the best people person where you're caring and kind and nurturing and empathetic, but you might not be so good at jits. Does that disqualify you? <laughs> I didn't say you, but I mean, does, that, does that disqualify you? You can wear a silly hat. You can wear a silly hat. And I think the, I think the answer is there are different types of leaders who... Uh, occupy different roles mm. um, and that those things are not ne necessarily mutually exclusive no and and I guess the the ultimate leader is to someone who has all ticks all the boxes don't they but I suppose they're so rare which is why they'd normally come to the fore um, what you said in in your book um, and what you're saying about people on the mat as well I think it's interesting there's a difference between having a title mm. um, and then being a leader, you could on paper be the head of a department or you could be a team leader or something. But if really you only manage things when they go wrong and the rest of the time that you're mm. absent, I wouldn't say you're a leader. Yeah, I'd just yeah. say you're accountable at the end of the day and you stick your oar in when things go wrong. Is that kind of like the difference between like a leader and a manager then? Exactly. Um, and just because you have the position doesn't mean that you are a leader. Um, and um, I think that anyone in any circumstance can be a leader in some ways, um, depending on the situation, depending what it is that they're good at. I know, for example, I'm not the best at jujitsu, but I'm really good with spreadsheets and chasing people when they're late. So I, I, one way I try to contribute is I, you know, for the competition group, I'll say, are we doing this on a Tuesday night? And I'll try to lead 
corralling people so that we'll have a good competition Tuesday class. But I'm not obviously going to be on the mat like you or the rest of the coaches teaching. I don't think it disqualifies me from being a leader in some other right. form. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think there's so many ways to step up and, and, mm. and lead. And I think people oftentimes only see the very obvious thing. It's like, oh, like, let's, if we keep it on jiu-jitsu, um, it'd be like, oh, I can't be a leader because I'm not the person at the front of the class yeah. teaching. That's yeah. the leader of the class. But there's so many ways, whether it's just volunteering to do the warm-up whether it's volunteering to help do the kids coaching, whether it's like um, Chris Rowe, for instance, um, uh, recently was saying about how he felt there was a bit of a divide between the blue belts and the white white belts. Mm -hmm. And then he just basically took it upon himself to take like a leadership role to be like, you know what, I'm going to corral all the white belts and make sure that... Um, he's a good egg, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a bloody good egg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is. And, um, you know, he took it under his wing to to make sure that all the white belts are kind of have to trying to have interactions with, with more of the experienced students, which is always amazing. Mm-hmm. All the stuff that you do, like, you're always really active in the comp team, like, making sure people, like, know about dates. Yeah, I love or, that. I love you know, having you, like, just, like getting booked onto class. <laughs> what are we doing? There's, there's so many ways. Um, to to I thought there was an interesting earlier point you made there talking about like does about the respect aspect of it because yes. they often say you know there's some people where you, you don't have to like them but you you respect them yes um so I was wondering if you think could you respect someone and not like them but still see them as a leader I think that's two I think that's two questions um can you not like someone but respect them absolutely I think you can and I I I see that all the time for example in in my work um as a solicitor um the higher you rate you as you progress your career and you you move up the hierarchy um because of your technical capability as you do that you accrue managerial responsibility you'll have a team um, but it's a strange thing. Technical capability does not mean that you're a, a good people person. Mm. Um, and the more I learn about management, the very little that I know. It's actually really hard managing different personalities. And so there are a lot of bosses who I may say it would be far from ideal to be have to go for a beer with you. But as a lawyer, you know, I am in awe of your technical capability and I respect you for that. The the third question, the second question, sorry, does that make them a leader? I don't think it does. I think leading is more than technical capability and it is more than having respect. And it's difficult to, like, what is leadership? I I don't have a good answer off the top of my um, head but I would say, is it, be, you know, is it being a role model? Is it being out in front? Is it being a thought leader? Is it, is it defining a strategy? I don't know. Um, I think just because you respect someone, just because you don't like someone, you can certainly respect them. Um, but I'm not sure whether respect alone is sufficient to become a leader. I'd have to think deeply on that. It's interesting that I was speaking to Mike about... Um, on a podcaster recently, I think we were because we did those values series of podcasts mm-hmm. and leadership, obviously one of the words a week. There's a war historian, long dead now, but like an amazing guy, um, fought in like the Battle of the Somme, got injured twice, like came wow. back, like, you know, 
60,000 odd people died in the first mm. from Yorkshire, this guy called B, um, Basil uh, Liddell Hart. And he distinguishes between a prophet and a leader. Yeah. Like a prophet is like oftentimes, you know, basically before they die, they, they look upon kind of not like a leader. They look like yes. someone who's out on the fringe doing yeah. weird, weird things. And um, they, they might on the surface appear um, to have some leadership things, but they're so far out there that many people wouldn't necessarily follow them yeah. until like, later on, until maybe they're proved true. And then those things they were talking about are more solidified. Yeah. And then people later down the line might expose the same values and yes. then become leaders. So I think um, in the context we were talking about, it's like when Mike was a... Uh, there's a lot of things like Mike's done and he didn't mm. get like the best kind of reputation for mm. <laughs> uh, over the summer when we were, when it came up, what we were talking about it. And I felt like that was maybe a more of a profit than a leadership moment. I think to answer that question though, like what um, a leader is, I think, like you say, there, there is so many different aspects to it. Yeah. But I do like the way Jocko narrows it down, like taking... A leader takes ownership for everything that happens in their world. So mm. whether we're in a team and I'm the leader or not, it's like I'm going to take responsibility for whatever happens mm -hmm. because at some level there was something I could have done to change the situation, even if it doesn't appear so um, initially. I think that's what a, lead a good leader is for me. Mm -hmm. Cool. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, the, like I think the point like she's sort of making in the book is that the next generation of leaders need to be different to the last. And there's different things she talks about, but I think like it comes off the back of that Daring Greatly book that I read, which is all to do with vulnerability. So I yeah. think vulnerability is a big part of it. And like being connected to and caring about the people that yeah. you are leading. And like she talks about, there's all different aspects. Cause a leader can be a, arguably, I don't know if it's a parent, but there's different, obviously you can be in work, you can do it here, whatever. Um, but I think it's like in an office, are you able to have like the tough conversations with people mm. or, and she, she like, she talks about how um, in like offices and workplaces and stuff, how they'll sit opposite each other instead mm. of like next to each other mm. and having a conversation and all that kind of stuff. So I think <clears throat> it's important to care about people yeah. and be connected to people instead of just being in a role and thinking, well, I'm a leader and mm. you're all going to follow me. Well, I, I know some organisations actually split the technical and human management side. Okay. So they'll have, for example, of a large department, they'll have someone who, let's say it's accounts, they'll have someone who's the maths and devises the strategy and is um, maybe responsible for client relations and then running alongside them, I think they have equal uh, prestige or, or power or whatever. They are responsible for managing the people in the team and dealing with the mm. more human aspects, yeah. um, which I think I think is a really good way to go because mm -hmm. you're saying they're of equal importance. Yeah. And interestingly, a study which was undertaken in 2008 during the recession um, found out that the most important things to people working in like a corporate um, office is not money, progression, prestige, da-da-da. The most important things were all the intangibles. They want to be told they're doing a good job. Yeah. They want to have a boss yeah, who yeah. recognises and appreciates them 
Um, they want to be in a cooperative, non-backstabbing attitude. And I think that feeds in. The human stuff is just as, if not more important than the technical yeah. side of things. Yeah. So I think with some like leadership roles, there probably is more of an emphasis on the negative than the positive. Like, do people necessarily, like you said, sit down as much and tell people how well they're doing? Mm. Or is it more just pulling people up all the time on? But you can understand that though, can't you? You know, if you're if you're in a if you're in an environment which is very competitive, mm. um, and say you're pushing for a promotion or whatever, there is still a stigma about mental health, for example. There is, I don't care. Maybe things are changing for the better. But there is a stigma that it's an indication of weakness, which I don't think it is. But if you're in that environment and perhaps you have a bit of a wobble and you're competing with bloke over there, you're really going to sit down with your boss and say, I'm having a tough time at the moment. I'm not on top of it. Yeah. You know, I need some allowance. No, you're not. You're going to keep it No, but it this inside. is, I think we, you should, like, we should be able to show should. We should. And it would benefit everybody more if people I think you were should. more like that. I think you should, but people don't. No. I think maybe a bit what Brene was talking about there is then, you know, there's there's a lot of leaders out there. There's probably not very good, many good leaders. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Definitely. The, in that leadership thing, we've, we've just what we've talked about today. Mm. You got you got leaders, and there's a big spectrum there. You got managers, prophets, yeah. dictators. You know, there's like a, a whole gamut of yeah. people you might say are leaders. But I think just like martial artists, there's like a load of fighters out there. Not many martial artists. Yeah, yeah. There's probably a load of leaders out there and very few that are really yeah. good, you know. Definitely. Yeah. I so, think that was a good topic. Ha, I brought a topic in that wasn't your idea. And it wow. was great. Once that's really yeah. I think it's really interesting. <laughs> Christmas <topic>. miracle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've got to think of something for next week. <laughs> so so just steal just, some just, just Google it. I know, yeah. <laughs> what can I talk about? Yeah. Tell me you brought you brought oh, some great topics. Loads. Let's go. Well, I'm gonna I'm going to pretend that I haven't written them down just here and I'll just come up with yeah, them. I could give you a break, man. You only had about 20 yeah. minutes to prepare it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it's, so I think it, I mentioned before, these are some of the things that Lauren and I had spoken about recently and as well um, went for a drink the other night and sort of drunkenly pounced, well, not pounced, just asked Coach T about them. So um, in no particular order, um, a practical point, how... Um, I'll just I'll make a quick point before you say that. Oh, yeah? The video has gone off because the SD card is full. Um, in fact, I can fix it. Just give me two seconds. You you answer your, um, your thing. You can ask the question. I'll fix the SD card. Okay. We'll okay. So, well, this is perfect because we've... Yeah, we've, we've had a little... We've been chewing the fat over this one, haven't we? I Study think. halls. Yeah. How to make the most <clears throat> of them. So we were saying, weren't we, it's difficult because you use study hall or we do well or I do yeah. with a view to kind of drilling something yeah. or working on something very specific because yeah. obviously in class you don't get loads of opportunity do you to necessarily do it and other than that you've got live training but you can't just be like stationary can you and yeah. doing stuff yeah so it's difficult because you kind of go with a view or we do I think yeah. they're kind of people that go with a view to this is what I'm doing yeah a but real, a real yeah. aim yeah but then it's hard because then sometimes, and same, I might go on my own, not that I've ever done this, but you might go on your own and other people might be there and you yeah. might be a bit yeah. twiddling your thumbs thinking, oh, well, can I join in? Yeah. So we were saying it's difficult because you want to go with a view to doing something. So me and Tom might be like, right, let's go and do Delaheva. Nice. <laughs> but then there might be other people there and you don't <laughs> want to be 
not including them, but then you don't always get to do what you want to do or make the most out of it. Mm. And then sometimes you walk away because then people will be like, oh, and Johnny turns up and he's like, oh, have you seen this bow and arrow? Yeah. On the floor, I want to show you this. And then you end up leaving probably more brain. Yeah. Don't know what the word is mangled. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I go, and I can't process all that. It's no, too I much because I, I go into I go into the study hall thinking I want to turn down the noise. Yeah, and I want to crystallize yeah. some things that I've been working on and really get it in. And I think if you have got some, you know, some bloody maverick loner who turns up by themselves and thinking of Rob Salverson um, <laughs> they they turn up and obviously you don't if there's only the, if there's only you and I we don't just want to leave poor old Rob or whoever in the corner by themselves you want to involve them but I think then there's a almost a social pressure yeah that you involve them but by doing that you risk diluting the effectiveness of what you're doing and I think the only hard fast way to get around it is just to say this is what we're doing if you don't like it, you can go home. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Is it acceptable to kind of be like, because it's not that we don't <laughs> want anyone to be involved, but it's like, is it acceptable to be like, course, join in, but this is what we're doing. Mm. Like, yeah, absolutely. we are just drilling yeah, yeah. Delaheva or whatever, because I can't, my brain can't process anything other than that. No, for <laughs> sure, I think. So, you know, there's a, there's a big, you might not realise, but there's a big, um, I don't know, maybe not big, but there's a shift in jiu-jitsu, um, around the way that it's being te- taught. So right. for instance, at Lachlan Giles School um, in Melbourne, they use predominantly a reverse classroom model where these students come into class and they just, in that, let's say, you know, we'll call it GB1 for instance, um, they would, Lachlan would have a set curriculum to teach. However, you do not have to do it. You would, you could, you, the class stops while he teaches it, but then you and your partner could go away and work on whatever you want. Mm. So we'll teach for like, let's say there's someone new that's, um, uh, you know, doesn't know any jujitsu, then then they would have something to work on because he's taught something. But if that's not your game and you want to work on something completely different, yeah. no problem, go away and, and and figure that stuff out yourself. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Lockman will be there as an instructor to, to help you out. Um, which is a really interesting way way of uh, teaching and learning, I think. But Very flexible. It, yeah, so it kind of reflects that study hall type environment. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that we have it for only three stripes and above, because at that point, if you're um, Julian Delahiva, let's say, yeah. you should be able to have someone that comes in the minimum of you know three stripes, hopefully a bit more. You can say, "Oh, we're working Delahiva." And these are these are the things we're gonna we're working on. Like, come jump in with us, yeah. and then hopefully, well, one, it's nice to strengthen that kind of community. You might yes. meet someone kind of yeah, you've not really yeah. trained with before. Yeah. You get to have the development path of actually having to kind of try and teach what you know yeah. already, and yeah. equally, they might have some deeper knowledge than you on that particular topic, and oh. they might be able to add a little bit to you. And it's a different body size; mm-hmm. it might give you different reactions. It's another brain to help you problem solve. Mm-hmm. So I think my answer would be you got to go into study hall with a purpose. Like yeah. you can't just rock up being like, ah, let's just see what happens. Yeah. Because then it's just going to devolve into just chaos and probably just end up flow rolling or rolling. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, to go in with like a set, right, I've watched this. I want to work these. I want to have a partner that kind of gives me some problems and I'm going to see yeah. what the solutions yeah, yeah. are. If you just go in being like, eh, 
we'll go see what happens. <laughs> yeah. It's like you shouldn't end up chatting and, and yeah. doing nothing. But yeah. I think it's completely acceptable and you know almost to the point of it's just expected yeah. that if you know you are in to drill a certain thing, then then that's what you know. And someone doesn't have a thing to do, you can be like, "Hey, I'm here to do this." Yeah. If you know, let's say you guys hadn't coordinated, yeah, and you want to do Delhi Heaver and you want to do X Guard, yeah. That's fine. When you're drilling for two minutes, work your daily heaver. Yeah. And when Tom's drilling for two minutes, work X card. I've never thought of the possibility of two different Yeah. Yeah. Happening at the um, same time. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a way around, I suppose, if you're on your own with someone else. And yes. it's interesting who you might partner with for study hall because I think similar mindset is more important than perhaps body size or weight um for example you know i'm a big sack of potatoes and lauren is not but then i know i know that we (laughs) big sack of of spuds um that we would we work well in in study hall together because we both need the repet the physical repetition in in order to make it stick yeah um whereas some people yeah whereas i know i know there are some people who are absolutely frantic in their learning and they bounce from one topic to an or it feels to me anyway because i've just hit my microphone they bounce from one topic to another without perhaps letting it fully crystallize mm. whereas i'd rather learn one thing but learn it well and that's fine but they're probably not the person for me to go to study hall with mm, interesting so um cool andrew andrew human like as a good podcast on, on uh, skill development mm. and Really, like, and I kind of resonate with this because I don't have any time really to kind of drill. Or, I, yeah. Everything new that I learn has to be done in live training. Yeah, you just download <laughs> you just it. Sit there, yeah. like the matrix. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't, I don't get the opportunity to like kind of learn and digest it and drill it and rep it and <clears> then go figure, then go try and do it on someone in live training. It's yeah. so like the first time I do it, it's against someone that's fully resisting. And still nails it though, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm going to say. <laughs> right between the lines. <laughs> and um, what he, Andrew uh, Huben talks about is uh, when you're actually trying to develop skills, uh, you can, even the first repetition you do, should be trying to do it at a pace that you can't do it because you don't. What, run before you can walk? Well, well yeah, literally, yeah. Like, literally fail at doing it okay. because it's going to. You know, I'm, he explains obviously in a scientific way, but yeah. um, it's in the making of the mistakes of a thing that your brain is like, "Oh, fuck, we got it wrong," like, yeah. and then it wants to think about it. If you just keep doing it right, it doesn't almost like internalize it as yeah, well. Yeah, I know what you mean. Which resonated with me in terms of competition because mm. every time you speak to someone in jujitsu, you speak to them about competition. They always remember that moment where they they fucked up, but yeah. they shouldn't have. Yeah, it's like. You know, ah, oh, I was up on points, and all I needed to do was this, and then I just put this one moment kind of thing. And it's like they remember the mistake, not yeah. all the other things. Yeah. Mm. And you know, well, you hope that you'll never do it again, then don't you? Yeah. And, and then you go away and like. So yeah. that's sort of like the psychology of people are more motivated to avoid losing money than mm. they are to to create a possibility of making money. Actually, yeah, I'm sure there's some kind of link there. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you guys a podcast quite quite interesting in terms of how you can develop. How, but, does, how <clears> does that fit in, though, with, for example, if you're learning a potentially very damaging submission 
Mm. And you, you know, you need the control of, well, if I get this wrong, I'm going to potentially hurt my partner. Um, but if you just, you know, go for it, you do, do you not fear losing an element of control and potentially injuring your partner? I think the, so you got to distinguish in, in submissions in jiu-jitsu, the best ones are control-based, which even if you are doing it at a competition speed, would still be actually fairly slow. Yeah. Like mm. I can, I can put on a, a technically perfect armbar at the same speed I would in competition against someone and still give them a load of time to tap. Yeah. The problem is at white belt level, people try and jump straight to the submission. Yeah. So they go, so they they lose, they they go, all right, I'm in mount. That's a position of control. So now, like you see how the kids do all the time. Kids come to me, right, draw your A-game sequences. Right, I'm in mount. (laughs) (laughs) Jerome. Did you say Jerome? (laughs) (laughs) And and they lose that position of control. The arm slips. Speed-based submissions are kind of seen as certainly a big part of the game, but not like the the, the peak of the game. So... um, so yeah, I think there is probably an element where when you're drilling speed-based submissions, you'll need to uh, be very, I'll drill it full speed, but I wouldn't necessarily catch the actual submission. Let's say it's a, yeah. a shotgun arm bar from neon belly. Yeah. Near side arm gets posted up on your chest, dive on it, right? Yeah. Lego over the top. I can do it and catch the arm to my chest, but not, not and fall to the bottom position, leg over the head, but not put the arm bar on, right? So do you think that this this style that you're talking about then, would you say that it's more suitable for perhaps more advanced players? I think... Uh, do you mean like, like instead of being like, oh, I need to get this technique perfect before I take it to live training, you're kind of just saying, just get on with it and just do it. Yeah, yeah. So like yeah. the way we try and learn now is like, right, I'm going to do it as slow as possible yeah. so I can get every movement it perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in real situations, it's not perfect. You, your partner's not being, like, everything's going to be a bit weird anyway. Yeah. Mm. So you need to kind of just try and find all those mistakes that your body's yeah. going to make. The way I try and teach it, so from the opposite side of things, is I try and get, I get, I'll let, I'll let them do it a couple times just in the normal pace, try and figure it out. And then I ask people to try and drill it double speed yeah. to make, oh, I'm like, right, you need to now add more resistance with your partner. Yeah. Which makes sense for like everything else we do in life. If you like, if you're lifting weights, right? You don't. You're. It's like that progressive overload. Where I'm, let's say it's a squat. I'm teaching you the movement, but then if I just, if you just squat slowly and perfectly, you know, yeah. then I'm not going to go and hit a hundred kg yeah, squat. Yeah. That'd be like the live training and equivalent. Yeah. I need you to go up at like, you know, five kg increments yeah. until until we're just doing it live training. Mm. And then, you know, those will be seen as like your warm-up sets and your actual working sets will be you doing the full reps with full, kind of full resistance kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think you do it subconsciously anyway. Well, I do. Like, you try, you, well, you will do. Well, you, you build up the no, speed at which you do No, like, no, I mean, like, I'll just go, I just try stuff all the time, yeah. knowing it fails, but then you keep, and you keep asking yourself, don't you, like, well, why didn't that work? Why didn't yeah. that work? And then you're like, oh, yeah, because I didn't have the sleeve or I didn't do this. You, and you, just, start, you wake you start up to, at midnight sweating. Yeah, yeah. And then you finally get it once yeah, and, and you're you like, finally, yes. That's just when Way recommends weird drugs for me. <laughs> when I'm ill, just wake up in the middle of the night soaking, and I'm like, Way, what the fuck did you give me? <laughs> 
again. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, that reminded me of uh, Travis Stevens, the Olympic uh, um, silver medalist um, in judo. Talks about how when he when he leaves the training room, your mind should be as equally as exhausted as your body. Right. You should be in you know like chess grandmasters will burn like five thousand calories when they're in. Really? Yeah, when they're playing like a um, a full chess game. Wow. Your brain, obviously your brain burns up most of your calories in a day anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should be like, your head should be leaving with like thoughts and ideas and you should be like, you just don't come in and just get a workout. Mm-hmm. Like, anyone can do that. Like you should be leaving with your brain being like, mm-hmm. fuck out, so much. You know? I should be shredded then the amount of overthinking. <laughs> 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 yeah, anxiety is a superpower. Yeah, yeah it should be like. Oh, and I wish that was true. Yeah. Yeah, stuffed it, stuffed it in the twelve week program. Yeah. Just get really You're bad screwed, anxiety. Yeah. So that that actually leads on nicely to a question which um, I prepared earlier, which is: um, Do you struggle at all, and do you have any strategies for dealing with remembering all the technique that we do in class? For example, I often am still thinking about technique from the week before when we're on the mat learning something new and I feel worried that all of this stuff is washing over me and I'm retaining very little of it. Mm. Do you feel the same? How do you deal with that? So this might be surprising for you. When I teach a class, I have the expectation that you'll remember absolutely zero of it. Really? <laughs> and that's and, and I teach the class with that in mind. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I'm never really in class trying to give you a technique. I'm trying to give you ideas and thoughts for you to go away and hopefully something will click in your brain at some point of like, oh, this is kind of like that thing. Yeah. yeah. And then it, then it gets added to your game. Yeah. Like, I remember even at late stage white belt thinking like, right, how many moves do I actually know? Mm-hmm. Being like, I, don't, I literally couldn't teach you a move. Like, yeah. obviously, I could do jujitsu. Yeah. But if I, if you said, show me a jujitsu move, I'd be like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Like, literally to the point where Star I would jumps. Yeah, I've been like, <laughs> one, two. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think you should think about it in terms of collecting, like trying to collect and memorize techniques. Yeah. Especially when I'm teaching, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to give you like a little idea or a concept or mm. a, or a way of thinking, not trying to have you memorize a step by step process of techniques. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really poor way to try and you know learn something. It'd be like just trying to read the dictionary to improve your vocabulary. Yeah. <laughs> I think as well, like certain techniques and stuff just will click with different people. Like you start yeah. to. Yeah. Like, me and Johnny are really different. Like, yeah. he'll be like, oh, let me show you this. And I'm just like, no, like, it's just yeah. a car. Like, it's just not me. It's yeah. not going to sit in my brain. So yeah. it's pointless showing me and vice versa. Like, Do you find the things which click with you, you remember the most readily? Like, there might be there might be a, an, a technique which you try and you just can't get it. Yeah. But then the one that clicks with you is the one that you think, oh, I can, for some reason, my body can just do that yeah. on this wicked tip. Yeah, I'd say so. But then equally... I know, like, when I've gone back and done GB1 or even GB2 and something I'll, something will come up and I'll think, oh, I did this, like, in my first couple of weeks. Yeah. Never really understood it and now I get it. Yeah. And I always thought it was something that wasn't for me or whatever, but yes. as I've developed, I'm like, oh, actually, I get this now because yeah. it's, it's this or it goes with this. Or... There's stuff I learned at White Belt that I didn't understand until Purple Belt. Yeah. And I just mugged it off being like, that doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, And now yeah. I'm like, it's like, 
yeah. the simplest and most effective thing for me. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, just comes with... Because I, I sometimes go into a role um, trying to, or, or turn up to class with a specific intention, like re be really prescriptive. You must at least attempt one triangle set up mm. today. You're only allowed to get submissions via armbar or something like that. But then the class might be something completely different. And, you know, if you do maybe two hours worth of training, those thoughts might get lost in the mix. And then a walk away, and I might have done other good things, like I might have hit something which I previously hadn't been able to or at least tempted something new. Um, but I feel, I guess I feel almost guilty for not having attempted the thing that I came yeah. in with. Yeah. But then, uh, then there's a tension there, isn't there, versus turning up with intention and then just free rolling. And where did Dana, Dana posted about that recently? And where did he come, where did he come down? And I think he said something like, you can't go into a match with a clear plan because you've got to react to what your partner does. It's a conversation. Yeah. I think uh, Hodger was talking about that in the Lex Friedman podcast he just did. Yeah. Where he was like, he doesn't, he's never gone into a match with like a, a, a game plan. Yeah. Um, so is Ryan pretty unusual in that respect then, giving the card and saying, this is how I'm going to finish? I think that's just because he's at such a high level and he's such a good marketer <laughs> that, yeah. uh, that he can make that rather than Rather than you know, you know, a triangle's rather, rather like ambiguous, isn't it? Like mm. he, 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 I think in that match he ended up hitting like a a reverse triangle, yes. a rear triangle. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, you know, at a certain extent you can, if you're that good, like it'd be like me going against, you know, just some fairly new student. I can just do whatever submission I, yeah. I want. Yeah. Uh, if you're at that level, then you can just call your own submission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with intention stuff though I think I think it's great to have intention I think you know setting yourself micro goals is wish I, some, wish I, I did more like I wish right. I, in my roles I you know I'm often I often do just go in with very little like intention and I'm going to go and I end up gravitating towards the things that I've done for like, the last few months and got good at and then every four or five months I'll be trying something new Yeah. but I wish I was like this week I'm going to get this I'm gonna get five of this week, but this week I wanna get, you know, ten of that submission or something, you know. Yeah. Um I think it would really be really good for my game. I was just thinking if if I have one goal, if I hit it once in like a month, I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Casually like five of the same sweep. <laughs> Do you come in with micro goals for sessions or maybe a theme for a week or a month or not for sessions, but I think I try in live training to try and do something. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, I do a goal. Do jujitsu. Do something, Lauren. Um, yeah, because I feel like, well, I think I said to you recently, like, I feel like um, I, I just, I've never, like, focused on a submission. Okay. I've always just focused on, like, trying to get better at positions. and then, But then I'm finding myself in positions and I'm like, oh, what do I do? Yeah. Now? Yeah. So, yeah, I think I do have, like, goals. Mm. I struggle like when I do um, GB3 no gi on a Tuesday and then go into comp class, mm. my brain's like fried because yeah. I'm trying to remember everything we've just learned or something yeah. that I really liked. Yeah. And then comp, sometimes it's the same, but sometimes it's different. Yeah. And then I'm a bit like you, I'm like, and then like, <laughs> I started mind mapping, didn't I? To try and keep some information. Yes. Which does actually help, but have I read them since? Probably not. So I know, <laughs> I know that Ricky... Um, 
he's a big fan of making notes. Um, for example, if we've been to seminars, he very kindly always Which shares them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't find that works for me. And I've read, I've perhaps read through some of his notes and there's nothing wrong with what he's written. No criticism. It's just the reading of it, the words does not, for me, translate yeah. into assisting with my... I've got to drill it. Yeah, Over it's, on, it's almost like they feel like cue cards for a speech, but you have got to know the speech. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. cues, they're not. Mm. Yeah, I think that's helpful in, in a way that like for all my private sessions I do these days, I always do like a five-minute recap at the end of the session. Yeah. yeah. And then... Do you film that? Yeah, yeah film, film it, it yeah, yeah, which is... I You were joking with me the other day saying I never made a mind map for yours, but yeah. I videoed yours yeah. and I have watched them back. Yeah, and yeah. And you I can slow it down and watch it, whereas information I'm a bit like you were like read it and I'm like oh. yeah. mm. so I think that is a good idea to film it yeah I think so too in different 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 strokes with yeah. different folks because even if I film stuff off Instagram I screen record it I'm so I can to, slow it down I'm trying to stop with Instagram yeah because I do see stuff and I'm I was like talking oh, to so easy I was talking to James Frost the other day and he he liked something on a on a video and so I said to him oh, I saw that you'd like that and he just said mate like I like so much stuff and watch so much stuff. Like, and it was only it was that day um and it just didn't go in and I think it's because when you're mindlessly scrolling you're not actively engaged no. and it might seem easy but it doesn't well that's like an overload of information as well isn't it because yeah. you could sit all day watching jujitsu videos I tried to and it's just like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so maybe that's a good question self-learning and um instructionals what's your strategy for implementing yes you love a video do you just do, do a matrix download and then as you say try and implement it at speed throughout a role because you must watch a load of videos and like you said you don't get that much time to actually yeah. drill it or practice it so it obviously kind of works for you it works for me um there are some stuff where but i think because um, I'm at a certain point now where, like, most of the, like, fundamental movements of jiu-jitsu, I have felt, like, there was some stuff I was teaching last night that I'd, like, literally never done before, mm -hmm. but I can just watch it and then just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like, because, like, you know, the fundamental movements, I've got them down enough now where it's, oh, if you ask me, if I need to invert for this thing and put my foot here... I've got the kind of body awareness to do it. Yeah. Where I think that's a real struggle at the start. Mm. I think unless you kind of understand a lot of the basic positions, then it's really it'll be really difficult to try and do that. Mm. And I'm also very lucky in that the majority of my training partners are fairly new to jiu-jitsu. Like I've only trained for like a year or yeah. two, you know, yeah. a year and a half kind of thing. So yeah, I'm not in any particular danger at most points yeah. so i can so i can take more risks and yeah, stuff like yeah. that whereas if it was a room full of you know purple belts brown belts really high level blue belts i wouldn't really get the chance to yeah, which is the same true. problem you guys have because you're against people of similar ability yeah. levels yeah uh so i get away with it a lot basically um in terms of actually how how i learn it i i watch the whole instructional through um on usually well I, I really favour Danaher, Gordon, and Lachlan Giles. Apart from Gordon, they all teach fairly slowly, so I'll stick it on like 1.25 speed or something like that. Sacrilege. <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, there'll be points in it, I'm like, okay, that resonated, that resonated, that yeah. resonated. 
I'll go back um, and watch that through. And then I might just pick like one thing and try and implement that for a little while. Mm -hmm. And eventually I'll wake, work, if it's something that I really care about, I'll work my way through the whole kind of series. So like, I'm just about finished, you know, I think the Mount, Danaher's Mount Instructional came out about four or five months ago. Okay. I've just kind of worked my way through that. Right. Um, and I've got loads of instructionals that I watch in the meantime. But luckily for me, I often use them to teach as well. Yeah. So like, I use them as a resource and okay, when it's, which is nice because it forces me to have a varied kind of approach. Yeah, yeah. So we're teaching, if I'm teaching half guard passing, oh cool, I'll have a look at, I'll go back over Gordon Ryan's half guard passing. Uh -huh. I've, I'll, I've, I'll have watched it once through in total kind of loosely. I'll be like, okay, those things are, I know there's kind of the gist of the things I want to get from him. I'll go back to those sections and have a look. It is, it is difficult, I think, learning from instructional sometimes, but it's such an amazing resource. It's, yeah. It'd be crazy not to use it, especially if you're in my position or you yeah. like coaching. Yeah. You know, for, for years, you got to think, because like how Mike learned jujitsu, he was kind of get it as like Chinese whispers. Oh, yeah. Like there's a guy who kind of figured out how to do something. Another guy went to a seminar to learn it. Like yeah. it, you imagine going to one seminar now, mm. you know, and then you'd go travel home and try to teach it to the rest of the class. Yeah. Like you'd get such like a watered down version. Yeah, that... you would. <clears throat> and now you've got literally the best instructors, instructors in the world coming up with, you know, eight hour, 10 hour long instructionals, yeah. given all their kind of best stuff. Um, we're in a really lucky time for, for martial arts. In yeah. general, because you know it's not just jiu-jitsu, That's it's like any you know. There's great stuff for striking, judo, you know, like that. I think Jocko spoke about that on one of his podcasts. Where I don't know if this was a true story, if it was a fable, but there was some. We'll say the Russian, Russian like chess supremo who was seventy years old, um, and he was up against some like sixteen, seventeen-year-old protege um, who had um, been training in chess and had read all of the books and everything that was out there and read what this 70 year old had written and somebody said or oh, who's better between the 70 year old and the 16 year old and the 70 year old just said well of course the 16 year old is because he he's 16 and he already has ingested all of the knowledge mm. which came before him mm. so he's he's now at the very front and the path is clear yeah, before yeah. him and similarly when that 16 70 year old becomes 70 and someone else comes behind yeah, him yeah. um that there's going to be this um continual development of the the sport yeah. um which i suppose fits in with what you said there you know mike didn't have access to those resources but similarly you know when we finish uh when we progress through our jujitsu careers um it'll continue to be added on yeah Neuralink just fucking straight up downloaded that'll happen <laughs> and then there'll be like some ai robot that comes yeah. out that you can train with yeah, yeah. <laughs> that the, so they say that human technology is only limited by human imagination mm. so if you can imagine it at some point it will happen yeah. so you know downloading jujitsu you know it is going to be <laughs> the matrix yeah. of and uh, uh, will that be everyone will know it and they will have to put the grind in yeah I get an oh man, so, uh, we really need to finish this podcast yeah. because okay. because it's half but there's so many ideas I would love to keep going because what you just said is like everyone will know it I'm like I'm sick of people like Johnny learning jiu-jitsu I'm like it's meant to be to like to level the playing field between bigger and smaller people now there's no level playing field yeah. it's just the big guys are learning sweet moves too yeah and then the other thing I wanted to talk about was um <clears throat> yeah each younger generation benefits from the one before yes. but there was a you know back in 
the, the day you can go to Greece now and look in like the Parthenon and stuff like that, there's like guys doing heel hooks. Like I wonder Whoa. how, yeah, and they were training for, you know, hundreds of years doing, mm. and whereas modern day kind of sport in jiu-jitsu maybe only been around for 800 years now. Mm. I wonder how, what level those guys were if we would yeah. stick them against yeah. like the modern day competitor. Like oh, I'd uh, love to see that. After, after hundreds of years of that kind of <laughs> yeah, incremental yeah. thing, do, did they get to like a similar level as today and we all mm. lost that knowledge? Or, or do our modern day kind of resources like video technology, has it brought us back up to a different standard? Yeah, mm. yeah. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. right, we really do have to go because I'm sure there's people banging yeah. the door to try <laughs> to get into, like, into class. But thanks so much, Lauren, Victoria, Thank Udley. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tom, Jeff, Jeffrey, John. Oh, I regret telling you that already. Broughton. Yeah. Thank you for You are me. welcome back with your great topics, yeah. by the way. Fuck <laughs> you, Kev, yeah. with your dodgy <laughs> shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Joking. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. I've had a really good time. I still think that we need blankets next time. <laughs> well, you need to petition GB Wear to make these pajamas. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that'd be ace, wouldn't it? <laughs> you can add it to the banana palm range of people are doing cowboy yeah. hat, country music t shirts, pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to start my own clothing line. I think I'd be happy minute. <laughs> Will you help me? He was being serious. I know he is. My sister's a fashion designer. She probably helped me. He really wants a cowboy hat. Like, he really does. We should start like a GoFundMe. Till next time. Woos. Woos.